Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles tonight, turn to the book. We were in Acts chapter 10. Now let me, let me read a couple of things. Go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, Simeon, which was called Niger, Lucius of Siren, Menahem, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetriarch, uh, Tetriarch and Saul. Now notice this, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, everybody say the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work or two I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. Next verse, verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. Now notice that the Holy Ghost said. Now, if you will, turn over to Acts chapter 14. Now keep that kind of in the back of your mind there. The Holy Ghost said. Everybody say the Holy Ghost said. Now look here in verse... Chapter 14, beginning there in verse 8, this says, There said a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripples from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and notice this phrase now, perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Now do you see that? Perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, from there, go over to, go over to Acts chapter, go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Let's read there in verse 6. It says, now, when they had gone through Perga, and in the region of Galatia, were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, forbidden of the Holy Ghost. To preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Amen? Now, since we're close enough, let's go over there to chapter 18. Chapter 18. Now, Paul had gone to, to Corinth, and as, for lack of a better explanation, if you'll study the Word of God, you'll see that by this time in his journeys, he had some, some issues, some problems. And those issues and problems were were pretty dire, and they were this, that just about everywhere he went, people were being stirred up against him and against the message that he preached. Now let me say that again. People were being stirred up against him. Now not just, not just you know, somebody putting a little ad in a paper or somebody writing him a mean letter. I mean, they stoned him to death one time. They beat him with rods. They stoned him. They put him in jail. I mean, he had, I mean he, had, he had physical scars on his body from the resistance that came against him. And by the time he got to Corinth, I bet he was kind of just kind of going, 
you know, and the Spirit of God's probably saying, now go over there and preach or go over there and do this. He's probably going, I don't know if I'm going to be doing anything around here right now. I, you know, I've got enough knots on my head. I got And literally, if you'll study the book of Acts, you'll see that that was his thorn in the flesh. His thorn in the flesh was not weak eyes or any kind of infirmity or disease. Actually, you go back and study that term, thorn in the flesh. It comes from the Old Testament talking about the people that were stirred up that Israel did not deal with, that God said unto them, they're going to become thorns in your flesh and pricks in your side. Amen? So these people were thorns in Paul's flesh. So he's a little bit... For lack of a better word, he's a little bit snake bit when it comes to, you know, well, let's have a revival in Corinth. Let's, let's build a church in Corinth. Let's, let's do what God says in Corinth. And, and his flesh is probably going, I, you know, I don't, what's this going to cost me? But, but, but I notice this. It says, uh, well, let me, uh, let's see. Start there in, uh, start there in, in, in verse, start in verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every, every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks and when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Everybody say, Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. From henceforth I am going to the Gentiles. And he, he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Cyprius, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. Many of the Corinthians uh, hearing believed and were baptized. Now notice this. Then spake the Lord. Everybody say the Lord. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision and said, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on, on thee to hurt thee. I have much people in this city. So you can kind of see the pattern developing here as he went into the synagogue, began to teach the Jews. Same thing began to happen. They began to pose him. They began to rise up. And I, began, I guarantee he began to say, I don't know if I want to go through this again. And because of that, in a vision, Jesus appeared to him and said to him, i got a bunch of people in this city. Don't be afraid. Nothing's going to happen to you. Amen. Now, the reason I kind of picked these few verses here, I wanted to go, uh, go through the book of Acts, and there's others that we'll, we'll look at, but I wanted to go through and pick some things out of the book of Acts that help us understand New Testament communication. Everybody say New Testament communication. Now, a lot of people say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, God communicates to us according to the dispensation that we live in and the covenant that we have. Now, first let me say this. God wants to communicate to everybody. And in the body of Christ, if you're born again, spirit-filled, born again, not spirit-filled, God still wants to talk to you. God wants to be intimate with you. God wants to communicate with you. And we talked last week about how, how, how not, not to let your heart get hard through unbelief and all that type of stuff. But you also have to recognize how God speaks. How is He speaking to you? Now, God is not, uh, he's not intellectual. He's a spirit. Now, he, let me just say this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of verify it later and help you with it. God communicates to your spirit man. And your spirit man communicates to your mind. Now let me say that again. God communicates to your spirit man. And your spirit man communicates to your mind most of the time. 
But there are other times when God so strongly communicates that your spirit to your spirit man that your mind doesn't have any business with it. That your mind can't talk you out of it. Your mind can't, you, your mind can't refute it. Now, in, in, in understanding that God speaks to your spirit man, that's out of Proverbs chapter 20. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. One translation says this, the spirit on the inside of the man is the light that God uses to enlighten you. Now listen, everything God speaks to you is designed to enlighten, to enlighten you or bring more light into your life. Now, first of all, we must understand that we must be so familiar with the Word of God that the Word of God is our standard for communication with God. Now, that doesn't mean God will not speak to you outside of chapter and verse. I remember taking a shotgun apart. Lee and I had been married about a year. And I'd been on a duck hunt that was really a, a nasty day. Raining, nasty. And I knew I needed to tear this gun down and clean it and put it back together. And so, you know, I, I got it tore down. That's not very hard. And I laid all my parts out like you're supposed to. And I got it all cleaned up and I put it back together and there's two parts left laying on the table. I'm like, oh man. So I tore it back down, tried it. I must have done that for two hours. And finally I said, Lord, I have to have some help with this. And I went into my prayer closet and I prayed in the Holy Ghost for 30 minutes. And I came back and just put that gun right back together. Pull the action, everything worked perfect. How did that happen? The Spirit of God communicated to my spirit and my mind picked it up and I was able to do it. Now when I begin, the first time I went to Abbeville, Louisiana, when Lee and I began to get serious about a life together, we went, and I'd never eaten real food. <laughs> I'd been fed things all my life, but I'd never eaten real food. And her mother cooked real food. And she served a dish that she called seafood stew. And I kept saying, this is so good. And I, I ate maybe two bowls of it. And so finally, I think I asked her, I says, what does she mean by seafood stew? She said, well, most people call that gumbo. I said, man, that's a good eye. I know what to do. I tell you, man, it was the best thing I ever ate in my life. So I came home and told Leah, I'm going to cook some of that. And I actually stood by the stove and watched how she cooked it. So I remember uh, coming home one, day, one afternoon. I think I tried to do it with ducks the first time. And I got ducks and sausage and, and I'm, I'm cooking it. And Leah came in. She owned a business at the time. She came in, walked into the house and said, what does that smell? And I said, I'm cooking gumbo. And she went over and took a spoon and put it in the pot and went like this. She goes, that's not gumbo. So we end up going to the restaurant. So I tried it again, a second time. And she came in, and she's, she, I'm, she's so kind because we just got married. She was like this. She goes, honey, I don't think this is it either. And so we threw out another bunch of them. So we invited some people over that were actually the church we were, were going to. It was a young church, and these people were elders in this church, and they were coming over for a dinner. So Leah went to work, and, and back then I used to cook a lot because Leah would work. So I, if I was home, I would cook dinner. And I said, well, I'll cook. I'll take it. So you get home. You can just clean up, and we'll entertain these people. And so she called me about noon, and she said, what are you going to cook? I said, I'm going to cook gumbo. And she said, please don't cook gumbo. <laughs> So I knew what to do. I went into my prayer closet and I prayed for an hour. And I went and stood in front of the stove and the Holy Ghost showed me exactly how 
to cook gumbo. And so Leah walked into the house and went like this. She says, that smells like Momo's gumbo. And so we fed it to the people. They loved it. And so uh, uh, afterwards she said, how did you do that? I said, the Holy Ghost showed me how to do it. The Spirit of God showed me how to do it. And when the Spirit of God shows you how to do something, you know how to do it. Amen. Now we use it to lure preachers to our conference. Jesse, Jesse Duplantis used to, every time I'd, he'd be in a, uh, we'd be in meetings with him and we'd be in, a, in, the, in, the, uh, in the meeting, he'd always say, Rusty's the only white boy I know that can cook gumbo. <laughs> well, the Holy Ghost showed me that. It was communication. Everybody say communication. Now, go to Romans real quick. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the, I know the last two services I've kind of, you know, just kind of went around my elbow to get to my ear kind of. But I'm gonna, we're going to start at what I call the initial way in which God begins His communication with us. Now, verse 14. Well, let's start in verse 12. This may help you a little more just to, just to you know, get everything around it. Amen. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 8 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Now, let me say this. Your communication with God is spiritual communication. Remember in Mark chapter 3, not excuse me, Matthew chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, came up out of the Jordan, the Spirit of God descended upon Him like a dove, the Father spoke out of heaven, amen, and then He was led by the Spirit of God. Now that's called correct spiritual communication. And our spiritual communication needs to be correct because Jesus and the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost is not the only thing in the spirit realm trying to communicate with you. Let me say that again. Jesus, God, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God is not the only thing trying... There are many spirits out there. The Bible says, try the spirits and see if they be of the Lord. And if you're very familiar with the Word and familiar with the voice of your Heavenly Father, you're not going to be fooled by some other spirit. But I've watched that over the years when people have been fooled by spiritual voices. Now let me just say this. One of the ways you make sure that you're not fooled by spiritual voices is to check up on everything you hear and also to be precise. If if you're hearing something from the Lord on a continual basis, you need to write that down. You need to pray over that. You need to think about that. You need to meditate upon that. I I remember when the Lord began to deal with me about, about Leah. And, and, and things begin to come into my spirit, and I was trying to put it off to my mind. I mean, you know, you take, you know, a, a young man and a young woman, and, 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 and uh, you know, there are some natural communication that will just take place in the minds. And I didn't want to get confused. I didn't want to get, you know, misled. I didn't want to get, you know, out of the will of God in any way. And so it, it freaked me out. It scared me. How many men know that women will scare you? <laughs> One of them kind of scares, you know. And so I remember the first time I, there was a spiritual perception of something being of God, I tell you, I shut down every other kind of communication. I mean, I, we, we had a little church. We had a church that wasn't this big, maybe not even this big. I mean, it was a little church. And I'd come into prayer, or I'd come into a Wednesday night service, and because many Sundays I'd be out praying, and I'd walk, I'd see her on the other side of the church, I'd stay on the other side of the church. I'd see her walking that way, I'd walk the other way. I wouldn't even look at her. 
And I fasted and prayed for 30 days. Because I had to hear from God. Because I was hearing from my flesh. Amen. So you got to make sure you hear from God. But see, that's why it takes time sometimes to seek the Lord. And it's, listen, anything you need to hear from God over, it's worth the search to get the answer. Because one word from God can change your life. Now notice here, it says, let me go back to verse 12 again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Well, that's pretty plain. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, right on the heels of that, God speaks to us and says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, I tell you, there's people that take this thing and go in the ditch with it. Amen? Brother, uh, Brother Fred, he just got back from the Philippines. First time I went, uh, well, not one the first time I went to the Philippines, but the first time I went to, to, to minister for, to pastor, for uh, Pastor Paul Chase. Now put me, they put me in a beautiful hotel. Somebody in his church owns a beautiful hotel up on the top floor. And, you know, I got in there. I was tired from traveling. And, and so I thought I'd turn on the TV, see who was preaching. And here's this guy preaching. And I looked and I thought, my goodness, look at this church. And so it, you know, I kind of caught the last of the program and it began to talk about their affiliated churches. Well, they had churches all over the world. I think they had four in San Diego. And so I, 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 uh, Pastor Paul pulled up the next morning and, and I had the guy's name, the pastor's name written down. I said, who is this guy? He kind of laughed. He said, he's a nut. I said, he's a nut? I said, he's got 50,000 people in a church down in Minden now. He said, yeah, he thinks he's the Messiah. I said, you're kidding me. He says, you know the scripture in Romans chapter 8 where it says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He's just got up and declared, well, I'm the next son of God and everybody believes him. Well, somebody ain't hearing from God. Amen. But it shows you how spirits can be deception, deceiving. Now notice this. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Listen, every one of you in here have had leadership by the Spirit. You're a son of God. That doesn't separate you into some messianic category. No, you are a son of God. Every person, male, female in here, you are a son of Almighty God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And leadership of the Spirit leads you more and more into the reality of that sonship. Sonship brings authority. Sonship brings blessing. Sonship brings favor. All the good things that sonship brings in a royal family belongs to you as a believer in Christ Jesus. You are a son of the living God. Isn't that good? Now it says here, For you've not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy God, a very enduring or intimate term. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself, now here it goes, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Now notice this, the Spirit Himself beareth witness with. Everybody say, beareth witness with. One translation actually says this, presses against. Presses against. That the Spirit of God presses against your spirit telling you what you are a child of God you are a son of God 
and an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You know, to be religious, you have to talk people out of that. Because if they, if they just get saved, if they just get born again, that spirit's going to begin to press on their spirit. You're right with God. You're born again. You, 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 you are a child of God. You are a son of God. Now, understanding that the inward witness is the communication that God uses to begin your faith walk with, you must understand, you as a believer have a responsibility to develop that inward witness. It is 90% of all the communication you're going to get from God is going to come from an inward witness. It's not only the way He communicates, it's also your protection. I said it's your protection. Because you could hear something or you could experience some phenomenal manifestation of a dream or a vision that you think, that is God, that is God. But that inward witness is going, that's not God. That's not God. See, it's your protection. So the primary way, or how can, well, how can we label it? Spirituality, spiritual communication 101. How about that? Basic spiritual communication begins with an inward witness. Learning that God speaks to you. Now let me just say this. An inward witness can be located. How many can locate thoughts when they come into your mind? Of course you can. Why? Because they come into your mind and your mind's not in your knee. So I had this thought in my knee the other day. No, you didn't. There's nothing in your knee that can think. Amen? No, thoughts are in your head. And did you know you can locate them? It's not that hard. Just close your eyes. Oh, there's a thought. It's not that hard. Same thing with spiritual things. I'm telling you, the training that God does in our spirit sometimes is so neglected. But you must realize how valuable it is that every simple thing that God begins to train you to do by His Spirit through His inward witness many times becomes the standard of your living and of your life. I like Wednesday night crowds. You say, why? Because they've been developed over the years of their spiritual life to come to church. People that faithfully give, people that pray, people that come to prayer, all that is is a sign that you have followed that inward witness. Because it is the inward witness of the Spirit of God that empowers you and helps you to be led by God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Did you get that? And it's, it's where God begins. Now, I, I begin to go back and think about when I When I was young... I got saved when I was six, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was seven. And I can remember God speaking to me. Now the problem with that is this. Most of what God was speaking to me is He was telling me what not to do. Which I did not listen to. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't go there. I don't know why, you know... Uh, I guess Alan's the only one that could testify to this. And, and where our church was, it was on Main Street in Pasadena. And what's that highway that went right by? Do you know? Is that 288 or whatever it is? 225, 288. It's a big highway. 225, that's what it is. Anyway, our church was here. And about four blocks away 
was the Red Bluff Theater. The Red Bluff Theater, which was a big, huge drive-in theater. Now, this would have been in the 60s and into the early 70s. But, now this is the Bible Belt. This is Pasadena, Texas. But the Red Bluff Theater was a pornographic theater. But I never went, but Alan told me. <laughs> but you didn't even have to go. All you had to do was go walk down the street. And turn around and walk the other way. Amen. And next door to us was a doctor's office. And they put their trash in the trash cans. Now, one of our favorite games was to grab the syringes and to pop them and stick needles in each other. Oh. See, you wonder why I'm so crazy. <laughs> Amen. And then there was Milby Park. You don't even want to know about Milby Park. They actually had lions over there in a cage. You could hear them roaring from our church. Roar, roar, roar. Well, what do you think that did? That's where all the hippies went and took drugs and sat there and looked at the lions. <laughs> and I can remember many times on our journeys to the lions and the street behind the Red Bluff and the doctor's office, something inside of me saying, don't go there, don't do that. But there are other voices. I mean, there's other voices. So you have to understand how peer pressure works, how all types of other voices. I mean, now we've got political voices. We've got all this crazy stuff that tries to speak and tries to do this. You've got to begin to develop that inward witness in you because it can do everything for you, protect you, bless you. I mean, you can get up to go to, go to, go to work one morning and the, and the inward witness is, don't go that route. Go another route. I remember Alan and I were going... Uh, hunting the day our mom went to heaven. And I, I, uh, I don't remember if I picked you up at your house or at the church, but I, I picked him up. We were just driving. Neither, neither one was really saying much. It's 3, 3.30 in the morning. You're kind of half asleep. And we pull up in the ferry line, and this inward witness in my spirit, I just thought. And I looked over at Alan. I said, you know, we're not supposed to go hunting. He said, well, whatever you think. I said, I, uh, I just, I, we're not supposed to go. And that was 3.30 in the morning. I went back and went to sleep. Next thing I know, I got a phone call from Alan that, that mom had crashed at the, at the hospital. Well, that was the inward witness on the inside. All, I could tell you story after story after story. But when I came back to the Lord in 1984, the first true inward witness was the next day after that Wednesday, on Thursday, and that inward witness spoke into me and said this, Romans chapter 12. So I got my Bible and I went and read Romans chapter 12, which talks about renewing the mind and presenting your body, which is the first step every believer should enter into after they get born again. They should go to Romans chapter 12 and read it, where it says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove what is the good, perfect, uh, 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 the acceptable year, uh, uh, will of the Lord, it literally talks about you starting your journey of faith. And it wasn't a week or so later, I was in a, in a meeting, 
And the, and the minister turned to that scripture and said, I don't know who this is for, but God's been speaking this to you. Romans 12, chapter 1. Well, it was me. I didn't say anything, but it was me. And so he began to expound on what that meant to renew your mind. So I began the process of renewing my mind right then and there. Now, my own flesh and my own mind was fighting me. I tried to go back into a rodeo career. I've told that story many times before. And ended up in, in Henrietta, Oklahoma. But what's amazing about that is that Brother Hagen was having prayer conferences every night. Actually, day and night. I wasn't going to the day meetings. I was going to rodeo school at Jim Shoulders Rodeo School. But at night, I'd drive up to, to Galveston Street in Broken Arrow, where Mom Goodwin lives, spend an hour in her, with her, and then go to Brother Hagen's meetings. Well, in those prayer meetings, God began to speak even more to me through the inward witness as I sat under the teaching of the Word of God. It's amazing how clarion that inward witness began to get as I sat under the teaching and in an atmosphere in which the anointing could move. And I began to understand. That's how I began to understand. I'm not supposed to be out there riding bulls. I'm supposed to be preaching. And I still came back and tried to get into rodeos, which were canceled. But eventually it was all a setup which caused me to respond to the call of God on my life. I thought I was supposed to go to Ramah. Mom Goodwin invited me to come up and live in her home and go to Ramah. Man, wouldn't that have been cool? But as I prayed back here in Galveston, the more I prayed, the more I felt that inward witness telling me, you're not supposed to do that. And it scared me to call her and tell her that. And one day I called her up and I, we called her Nana. I said, Nana, I just don't think I'm supposed to come up there and go to Bible school. She said this, that's right, honey. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you on the inside. Learn to listen to that and you'll be okay. Well, that, uh, the, that one question answered opened the door for 15 other questions. Well, if I'm not going there, where am I supposed to go? Christ for the Nations? Jimmy Swaggart had a big Bible school at the time. There were other Bible schools. Southwestern Assemblies of God Bible Colleges. All kinds of other places to go. Old Roberts University. I didn't know what to do. And I kept praying. And I'll never forget my sister who was going to Lakewood at the time brought home a brochure. I hadn't been to Lakewood yet. Brought home a brochure that said Lakewood Bible Institute. Had Brother Osteen's picture on the front. And when I looked at it, when I looked at it, the inward witness says, that's where you're supposed to go. That's where you're supposed to go. And the first time I went to Lakewood and walked in the door, it felt like I was coming home. I'd never been there before. But it felt like that's where I was supposed to be. What was that? I was the inward witness. The inward witness on the inside. See, that's the beginning. That's your training wheels. <laughs> A lot of people, listen... You're, you're, you're trying to get some grandiose communication from God. It's just like anything else. God starts you out at the basics, at, at the one-on-one -on -one level, at the, you know, the training wheels on your bicycle. He ain't going to put you on some great big old Harley going down the road, you know, giving the dreams and visions and, and, and all this stuff appearing to you and aberrations. No, no, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to learn to hear that inward witness and to trust it and to follow it. Now, my time's up. Let me close with this. Here's where so many people get off. And I, I've, I've uh, I finished my first book, working on my second book. Isn't that cool? My second book is called The Pew, A View from the Pulpit. And so it's going to be based on people's correct relationship with their pastor and their church. The first thing, the first thing I ever noticed
I hadn't been in ministry two years before I married Leah. I noticed that churches like this one had a tremendous come and go crowd. How a church could be a thousand and then it'd go down to 200, then back up to a thousand and back down to 300 and up to 2,000 and back to 500. I mean, it seems like our front doors were wide open, but our back doors were twice as, twice as wide open. So obviously something's going on there. I don't think a, a, a shepherd who actually farms sheep in their right mind would do that with real sheep. Amen? And so I don't think God does that. I don't think God just brings people in and people come in, oh, I've heard from God, God's called. And then, you know, six weeks later, they leave offended. That, that's not God. Amen. So there's opposition to you being in the correct place. Amen. Let me say that again. There is opposition to you being in the correct place. And we live, now listen to me, we live in such a time in which when it comes to church, you're willing to give a church a chance until you hear one wrong thing or experience one wrong thing. Well, try that in the rest of your relationships of life. Try that in your marriage. Try that at your job. We're just human. We make mistakes. Everybody does. Everybody, administration, the nursery, the children's church, the youth, the ushers, the sounds, everybody makes mistakes. And if you come in with a mindset of looking for some perfection when it comes to church congregations, then you're going to be roaming around till you so callous that inward witness that you're just going to roll up in a place of doubt and unbelief and not even go to church. And there's tons of people like that today. And they love God. And they can always tell you how wrong all the pastors and all the churches are and how right they are. See, a spirit of deception always takes over anyone who is willing to void the inward witness on the inside. Amen. 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 So you have to learn to yield to that. The very impulses of God, that's what I like to call them, the impulses of God that just are, should be a natural part of the terra firma of your Christianity. We tell them every, and I'm going to rehearse this every time we get together. You say, why is Because it's so important. It's what got me this far as what's going to get me all the way. First, the Word. Everybody needs the Word. You need to study the Word, meditate on the Word, confess the Word, and have the Word taught to you. Did you know the inward witness will never tell you not to go sit under the Word? But it won't take too many times of refusing not to do that or overriding the inward witness in which that witness is not going to be near as strong. And it's not that he's not pressing on your spirit. It's that your spirit has hardened. Mm. And you're like, hmm. Prayer. That's why you ought to develop a prayer life. Because God, the Father, Jesus your Savior, Savior, and the Holy Spirit is constantly desiring communication with you. Drawing you into prayer. Drawing you into times of fellowship. Drawing you into time times of intimacy. The problem is, is we only think prayer is relevant to needs. So we're real big when it comes to communication, when it comes to needs. Now just think if you do that in any other relationship in your life. Amen? I mean, only time I ever saw, hey doc, you got a hundred bucks? Reach in pocket, give me $100. So I see him. You got another $100? You got another? It won't be too long. He'll probably start going on the side of the church. 
Amen. You say, well, God, the only time, the only time that guy ever talks to me is when he wants money. Now, see, when it comes to God, that should be the least of your communication when it comes to your needs because there's not one need in your life that God hadn't already met. You just have to learn how to appropriate His provision to the need. That's what faith will do for you. You should have times of worship, times of intimacy, times of praying in the Spirit, times in which you just draw nigh to Him so He can draw nigh to you. Amen? And if you'll learn how to do that, then what will happen is your inward witness, that inward part of your spirit, man, in which God presses on or impresses, it'll stay pliable. Actually, Isaiah says it like this. He wants to be able to lead you with his eye. That's parental. There are looks that a parent can give a child where no words have to be spoken. When we were 12... Back at First Assembly in Pasadena, we were able to leave children's church and come into the main sanctuary as teenagers, age 13. And, and we had an old Greasy Spoon restaurant right next to the church. And they sold Alka-Seltzers for a nickel. So we would buy them and break them up and put them in our mouth and, you know, go out and stand on the street and shake our heads like we were foaming at the mouth and, and scare people. <laughs> That's them church kids, you know. So we had those real, real, real cool communion sets made out of glass. They were glass. And so we had communion once a month on Sunday, on Sunday morning, and they were passing out the communion. And I had my little glass communion thing and my little host there. And my, my buddy next to me took a quarter of an Alka-Seltzer and dropped it into my, into my grape juice in my cup. And so I slapped my hand over the top of it like that. And it sprayed all over the neck and the dress of the lady in front of me. See, y'all think y'all have had problems. You had none of you have had problems. Well, my parents were sitting right across the row. And, of course, Dad was asleep. <laughs> but my mother began the punishment process right then and there. Amen. Some of you are thinking, I'm never bringing my kids to church again. <laughs> but that's where God starts us, with that which is in our spirit as He continually presses on it. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you should have a sense of the presence of God in your spirit. When you, go, when you get in your car to go to work, when, you get, when, you, when you're at work, uh, when you're with your children, your family, whatever you do, you should have a sense that it, it, it's just right there. God is just right there. He's in me. He, there, there's, and at any time, He could say something. He could communicate to me. I may need to go home a different way. I, need to, I may need to do something tonight. I, I, I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening, Lord. I'm listening, Lord. And if you will do that and stay sensitive, He will begin you there. And many of these other things that we see in the book of Acts, how He spoke to those guys in Acts 13, how he spoke to Paul in the crisis of life in which he thought, I can't do this no more. All these other higher levels of communication, visions, dreams, they'll all fall into the right place and you'll know when you've heard from God. And based on, when you've heard, based on what you have heard from God, you can obey and be sure that God is going to back up what He says in what you obey Him to do. It may not look like it at first. Because they're in Acts chapter 16. Boy, Paul, they could have... Man, did you hear from God? Yeah, he said, Not, don't go over to Asia. Did you know they reached Asia from Ephesus? It took them two years. They, reached, they, they preached to all of Asia from their Bible school in Ephesus. 
So, well, let's go to Bithynia. They, they need God there. Nope. Nope. And then all of a sudden, Paul gets up the next morning and says, Hey, man, you ain't going to believe this, guys. I had a vision. God gave me a vision. I saw a man from Macedonia. And he's over there saying, Come help us. Come help us. I believe that's God. So they go. Everything looks good. They get there. And this, and this little maid that's, that, that, that's oppressed or possessed by the devil follows him around. The unction of the Spirit comes. He casts that devil at her. Next thing you know, they're laying up in the prison with their backs beat. Now, that would have been a good opportunity to say, Man, did you really hear from God? Or did you go to Taco Bell too late or something? What was that? But what did they do? How could you sing praises to God at midnight? Because you've heard from God. You've heard from God. God said to do this, and there's going to be an outcome that's going to be supernatural. And the church that was built there became the premier church that supported the Apostle Paul his entire ministry. Well, there's always resistance to what God says. But the good news is if you walk it out, and stay faithful to the Lord, and develop your spiritual ears. Mama Ward used to do like this. Say, develop your spiritual like you had ears down here. She used to always put her hands down. Just like your ears, you can hear with your spiritual ears. You can do it. And in some of the most dynamic, important things of life, God will impress you. In some of the, you know, with the shotguns and the gumbo and everything else, He'll still talk to you. Because He's concerned about the smallest, littlest thing in your life. If you'll let Him be. Amen. Did I help you tonight? Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, we thank you for your word and your spirit. That what you're doing by the Holy Ghost, the anointing of God that helps us hear your voice. And everybody say this. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He is my good shepherd. He is my chief shepherd. He is my great shepherd. I'm his sheep. I hear his voice. Another I will not follow. I will not be deceived. I will not be hindered. God lives in me. He communicates to me. I am led by the Spirit of God. I am a son of God. And the Holy Ghost bears witness with my spirit of that reality. Thank you, Lord. I have ears to hear what the Spirit says and eyes to see what God is doing. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing, how you've spoken, how you speak, and how you will communicate to us as a congregation and as people. Thank you as we leave tonight. Your protection is upon us. We claim Psalms 91. There shall no evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Father, we thank you. Whether we travel on the highways, the seaways, the railways, or the airways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we are protected of God. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, that which you've given us to put seed in our hands, thank you, Father. We're not subject to evil plans of wicked men. We're not subject to the calamities of nature. We're not subject to that which the adversary tries to do. We abide under that shadow of the Almighty. Thanking you, Lord, we are protected and safe. In the sea, in the medical branch, in education, in the oil patch, in retail, in construction, in law enforcement, in everything that we do, everything that we put our hand to, we prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you for the door of utterance. 
Let us always be ever aware of the hurting, the lost, the unloved, and the undone. We pray for them and ask you, Lord, help us to be an answer to their prayer, a problem to the adversary of humanity, a miracle in people's lives. Thank you, Father. Freely we've received. Freely we give. Lord, as we leave tonight, we love you. We thank you so much. You're such a good God. We thank you for our church. We walk in love toward one another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.